Good morning, church family. How are you all? Awesome. Thanks, heaps, guys. Oh, thank you. There we go. That's great. Thank you very much, guys. Good morning. It's awesome to be with you all this morning, and um, even though we a limited number, it's awesome to, to be together and corporately uh, be together and worship the Lord together. So uh, it's great to see a whole lot of friendly faces. Um, also, if you're visiting along, if you're new or haven't been along for a while, it's awesome to see you and to have you here. So the church doors, we love having visitors along, so a big welcome to you if you're popping in to, to see what uh, church is all about or what Hamilton South Baptist is all about or what Jesus Christ is all about. So big welcome to you. This morning. Uh, this morning we are going to be looking at the book of Mark. So if you've got your Bibles there or on your phone, I'd encourage you to pull it out. Um, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 10 and a few verses around um, there. So keep your thumb in Mark 10, 35 to 45. Um, and we're going to jump around and look at a few different verses as well. Uh, so before uh, we kick off, uh, let me pray again. Um, and ask that the Lord would, would speak to us this morning. Lord, thank you that we can uh, meet together this morning. Thank you for uh, the beautiful sunshine outside, the, the warmth of uh, the sun, uh, the gentle breeze, all creation all around, shouting uh, the reality of a created God. And Lord, this morning as we jump into the book of Mark, uh, Lord, please speak to our hearts. Father, we desire to hear from you this morning. Uh, we ask in faith that you would speak uh, to each person here this morning and uh, corporately to us as a body here in the south of Hamilton as we meet together this morning. So we look forward to hearing from you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 35 to 45. So Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. Then James and John the sons of Zebedee came to him, came to Jesus and said, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What a question. They come to Jesus and say, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus replied. They said, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom. So this morning we're going to step through this passage, we're going to look through uh, some of the details in here um, and see what the Lord would have to say to us uh, this morning. So uh, verse 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. So um, in this part here in the book of Mark, uh, these two guys, James and John, what do we know about these two guys who come to Jesus? James and John, they are sons of Zebedee, sons of Zebedee. So who was this guy Zebedee? Who's Zebedee that they're talking about? Well, let's t- take a look back at the beginning of the, the book of Mark. So again, keep your, your finger in um, chapter 10. We're going to uh, spend most of our time there. But right back at the beginning of Mark, in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, we meet these two guys. So James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, says, When Jesus had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So this is right back at the beginning when Jesus is calling uh, the first disciples, the first followers to himself. We meet these two guys, James and John. Um, They were fishermen that we can see here. What else do we know about these guys? Um, A couple more chapters on in Mark chapter 3. Verses 13 to 19, Mark chapter 3, 13 to 19, we learn a little bit more about these guys. Uh, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boagnerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Thaddeus, Simon, and Judas Iscariot. So the 12 here. So here we see these guys again. What do we learn? James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave that name, which means sons of thunder. Sons of Thunder. So that gives us a little bit more of an insight into who these two guys are who come to Jesus with this very upfront question, Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. So they're called Sons of Thunder. Sons of Thunder, which is probably in regard to their, um, their disposition, their nature, um, some of their characteristics of who they were and who their dad potentially was. They're Sons of Thunder. Um, Also, in Luke 9, we catch a little insight of uh, James and John. In Luke chapter 9, James and John, uh, Jesus goes to a Samaritan village, and the village doesn't welcome Jesus at all. And so James and John says, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy these guys? I mean, James and John were pretty kind of in-your-face, blunt, you know, Jesus, do this. We want this destroyed. Probably rough, tough fishermen. Um, So these are the two guys who are followers of Jesus. You see, certainly not perfect in character, as all of us are as well. You know, Jesus is taking them, molding them, shaping them. Um, But you can see some of their characteristics, some of who they have been created to be, which God is molding and shaping and forming here. So sons of thunder makes me think, man, if they are like that, 
what's their dad like? Um, I mean, I'm sure all of you have picked up lots of different characteristics from different people, uh, but especially from your parents as well. Um, the same I see in our kids at times, different characteristics that they pick up from us. I remember at one point in time, Cassidy, when she was three or four years old and getting frustrated with her siblings, she said, Lord, give me patience. And I said to Bethany, where'd she pick that up? Who says that? And Bethany laughed at me and she says, you said that all the time. You say that all the time. She picks up from you. So those little three or four year old, you know, Lord, give me patience. I'm like, ooh, okay. So again, you know, we all pick up these characteristics, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Um, James and John, sons of thunder. So picture in your minds potentially what their dad was like and catch glimpses of what they are like. So uh, back into to Mark chapter 10, let's keep uh, stepping through Mark chapter 10 and see some more of what we see here. Um, so they come to Jesus, verse 36, we want you to uh, sorry, verse 35, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus says to them, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Pretty arrogant question that they asked Jesus um, from my initial reading, pretty straight up front. Um, what does it mean to sit at the, the right or at the left of someone in their glory. Um, the positions of people seated at the right and left of human kings, they were for people of power, of prominence, of authority, someone of prestige to sit at the right of the king or the left of the king. James and John vainly want to be in those prominent places of honour and power in Jesus' about-to-be-realised kingdom. So here we go, the sons of thunder, at it again, Let's look back at the previous chapter a little bit too to see some of what had been going on amongst the disciples. Again, keep your thumb in chapter 10. Flick back just a little bit or open another tab on your phone. Look back just Mark 9. What do we see going on in Mark 9, 33 to 36? What had been going on amongst the disciples? Mark chapter 9, 33 to 36. Uh, where are we? Mark 9... 33 to 36. They came to Capernaum. When he was in a house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet. Why? They kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest of the disciples. So here you go. These 12 guys, these 12 uh, followers of Jesus, they're arguing about, you know, who's the greatest? And James and John are arguing uh, you know, who's the greatest in here? They want to be seen as the greatest. They want to be in these places of prominence and power. But Mark chapter 10, back to today's passage, verse 38, what does Jesus say to them? He says, you don't know what you're asking. Guys, James and John, son of thunder, sons of thunder, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So this uh, was a common saying back in, uh, in Jewish culture in the day. Um, can you drink the cup that I drink? It means, can you share someone's fate or destiny? And today we might say something like, you know, oh, can you walk in my shoes for a week? Uh, or, you know, live my life 
uh, you know, for the next day and, and see, see what it's like. Um, so in the context of this passage here, just, just before the Mark 10.35 verse, verses that we're looking at, Jesus predicts his death. He says right beforehand, uh, they will mock him, Mark, Mark 10.34. They will spit on him. Jesus is going to be flogged. He's going to be killed. And then also that awesome part, three days later, he's going to rise. Um, but that's the context of the passage. Um, and Jesus is saying, you know, are you going to be able to uh, drink the drink, uh, drink the cup that I drink? Well, in a way, yes, you will, because you are going to be flogged. You are going to be persecuted. Uh, there is going to be hard things that happen. We know that um, probably 11 of the 12 disciples died some pretty horrible deaths. They were beheaded. Um, they were crucified, um, even crucified upside down. So yes, in a sense, yep, you are going to follow in my footsteps. There is going to be some, some horrible things that happen. Um, we know in Acts chapter 12, we're looking at James and John, sons of Zebedee. James, he dies. Acts chapter 12, this guy James, son of thunder, he's put to death by the sword. Herod ends his life. And Jesus says, well, in a sense, you know, there is going to be some hard things that you're going to go through. Um, but also, what does Jesus say? Uh, no, he can't grant them those positions. So, reading through that passage again, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with, but to sit at my right or my left, it's not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Verse 40 there. So Jesus says that it's not for him to grant. Those places have already been prepared, probably meaning that God's already chosen, prepared, that Jesus wasn't going to usurp his father's authority in regard to uh, those places of prominence there. So let's keep stepping through this passage. Verse 41, what do we see? When the other ten disciples hear about this, they became indignant with James and John. They become indignant with James and John. You know, they hear that these two have gone to Jesus and said, you know, we want to be, we want to be the men. We want to be at your right. We want to be at your left. They come and ask him these things. The other 10, man, are they ticked off. They're angry that these guys have come to Jesus with this request. Why were those disciples angry? They didn't want James and John to have power and authority and prominence over them. They didn't want to be treated by James and John the same way that the rulers, the kings of that time, treated people. What do we see in verses 42 to 45? It says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their high officials exercise authority over them. So a lot of the officials of the day probably treated their subjects like dirt. What does Jesus say? Verse 43, not so with you, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life 
as a ransom for many. So in verse 45, we see here how Jesus models for us that ultimate act of service, that he lays down his life. He gives his life as a ransom for many, not just for James and John, not just then, but for many people, for us sitting here today. Incredible example of serving other people. So remember, James and John, they want these positions of power. They're the sons of thunder, pretty up front in your face. You know, we want to be known because of our position. We want to be men of power, prestige. How hard would it be for them? Jesus says, I want you to serve. I mean, that's so hard for us often. Truth be known, for all of us, it can be really hard. Um, especially so, I'd imagine, for these two guys to hear that when Jesus brings that up. In God's eyes, greatness isn't a matter to do with position or power. It's to do with serving. Verse 43, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So does Jesus do for James and John what they asked? Back, right back in verse 35, right at the beginning? No, he doesn't. Does Jesus give James that position of sitting on his left? No. Does Jesus give John the position of sitting at his right? No. Does he give them those positions of power and prominence and honour so they can look good before people? No, no, and no. Certainly not. It's hard, incredibly hard, to serve people. Not just... uh, to do actions, it's incredibly hard not just to act to serve people, but it's incredibly hard in character to be someone who is a servant. So I kind of distinguish there to do, you know, to do some actions, to act, to, to serve someone, um, but also to be, as we come to Christ, as Christ transforms our lives and moulds us and shapes us. You know, James and John, these rough, tough fishermen guys, um, probably pretty arrogant, um, not just to be serving, uh, sorry, to, to do serving, but to actually be, to be inherently part of who they were, part of their character, to be servants, part of their new self, part of their new life in Christ. So as we consider that, that passage in Mark today, that um, James and John coming to Jesus, as we consider um, you know, serving Jesus, who ultimately laid down his life. Let me ask you a couple of questions. So I want you to reflect for a minute on a time when someone has served you. So think for a sec. A specific instance might be this week, might be 10 years ago. So think in your mind. Specific instance when someone served you. Maybe it was in actions, maybe it was in words, maybe someone took time to listen to you. Maybe they did something for you that you totally did not expect. I don't know, picture it in your mind what went on. Think of that time and event. And here's another question. What did that act of service communicate to you? 
So what did that act of service communicate to you? Maybe that person serving you communicated care to you. Maybe by their act of service, it was communicating support of you or love. Maybe you felt humbled, maybe thankful. Maybe you thought, yeah, there is someone that cares. It's a powerful thing when we're on the receiving end of someone serving us and it speaks volumes to us when someone serves us. Um, just when I was like, a couple of weeks ago, Danny, our youngest, was in hospital for five or six days, and someone, a friend in Auckland, just wrote us a little card. They just made this little card, got a bit of cardboard, cut out a picture of a dog, stuck it on, just wrote a little thing, and posted a little card to say, hey, thinking of you, praying for you. Um, again, just a, a tiny little thing, um, but again, it spoke volumes to me, that someone would take the time to do that. So I've got another uh, question for you. What enables us to serve? Think for a second. What enables us to serve? As we close, I'm going to suggest a couple of things that help enable us to serve and a couple of things that hinder us uh, from serving. It's not an exhaustive list. I haven't put everything together. These are just a couple of uh, things that help enable us to serve, and a couple of things um, that I'd say uh, hinder us from serving as well. So first of all, let's look at a, a couple of things that potentially hinder us um, from serving. One thing that I'd say that potentially hinders us from serving others is being burnt or hurt in the past in those times when we've endeavoured to serve. Those times when you know, you've tried to, to serve Jesus through doing something or you've tried to serve a, a neighbour or a friend or a workmate or a, um, someone in your sports team and they throw it back in your face. When you get burnt, that person walks all over you. As you've tried to serve them, Maybe they've just laughed in your face. They've said things that hurt. Maybe you tried to serve a friend and they've mocked you for it. Or while serving a family member, uh, they've taken you for granted. Or you've been on a team or some group of people that started off great and it was kind of a thin end of the wedge. You know, It started off little and boy, the commitment just grew and people walked all over you. I'd say that those times in the past where you've endeavoured to serve the Lord or endeavoured to serve people and you've been burnt and hurt over it, that can be something which can really hinder us and hold us back from desiring to serve again in the future. Uh, for some of you here potentially, uh, this area is a, a raw, it might have hit a raw nerve or a, a tough spot. But yeah, you've really been hurt or burned in the past at times when you've tried to, to serve people. Um, I'd love to point out to you just before this passage, again, we, we talked about it, Mark 10, 33, 34, Jesus says, yeah, people are going to flog me, they're going to mock me, they're going to spit on me, I'm going to be persecuted, 
And yet still, Jesus went on to lay down his life and serve others. And so I would encourage us all, those things in the past that have hurt us deeply as we've endeavoured to serve people, you can either put up the walls and say, yep, I'm not going to endeavour to serve that family member again, or I'm going to put up the walls and try to keep myself safe. Um, Or you can endeavour to allow God to heal that, to grow through that, and that not be holding you back. One of my favourite verses is Genesis 50, verse 20, which I want to read out to you. Genesis 50, verse 20. So it's talking about the life of Joseph. Um, And Joseph, if anyone had uh, reason to be annoyed and ticked off at people, you know, gets thrown into a well, sold into slavery by who? His dear family. Um... If anyone had reason to be bitter and twisted, it was certainly Joseph. And yet later on, what does Joseph say in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20? Joseph says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You you intended to harm me and hurt me, and yet God was able to bring about good. And so, uh, for some, potentially, that hurt in the past, those horrible things as you, as you have endeavoured to serve people that have caused you to put up the walls and say, nope, I'm not going to serve in that way again, or nope, I'm not going to give them an ounce of my time. Can I encourage you uh, that God can bring about healing and good out of that tough situation in the same way that he did in Joseph's life? The things that humans meant for harm, God has the awesome ability to bring about healing and bring about good. And again, that's between you and God. I encourage you to bring some of those hard things to the Lord. Um, pray about it. Bring it to God. Ask the Lord to, um, to help you process those things and work it through. I'm sure whether it's Lucy or some of the elders, um, if you want to chat with someone, give them a phone call this week and shout them a coffee or whatever, sit down um, and get them to pray for you as you continue to process some of those hard things, um, as you continue to to grow so that it doesn't hinder you in your service of others. Um, Or if you want to talk to a counsellor or someone, there are a a multitude of awesome people who would love to to be around you and support you as you continue to um, be moulded and shaped. Um, And yeah, let me just pause for a second right there before I continue wrapping up and I'm going to pray for for people that it may apply to. Yeah, Lord, I do pray for uh, for, for people here this morning uh, and probably for all of us who have endeavoured to serve in certain ways in the past and yet been hurt or burnt as we've endeavoured to, to serve you or serve uh, people around us. Thank you, Lord, that you are the almighty God who can bring about healing and you do bring about healing and transformation. And Father, I pray um, for the people right now that you're speaking to their hearts that you would Um, keep growing them in these areas that you'd help uh, people to to slowly take down those walls and be willing to to serve and engage with other people, be willing to ultimately serve you. Uh, May this not be something that hinders us in our service of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so that one thing, the first thing that may hinder us is being burnt or hurt in the past. 
Let me suggest a second area that may hinder us from serving others is an inability to say no. An inability to say no. This might be the opposite of what you're thinking, that, okay, in order to serve people, I need to be able to, I, I should say yes to this, yes to this, yes to this, yes to this, as I serve all these different people and different requests that come at you a million miles an hour. But I would suggest an inability to say no can hinder us in our service for the Lord. And Jesus often said no. He wasn't a people pleaser. His main priority was pleasing his heavenly Father. And part of that was by serving people without a doubt, ultimately laying down his life. What an incredible act of service. But it certainly wasn't saying yes to everybody and everything. And we see that see this very clearly here. James and John, you know, we want this request, be it your left and right. And Jesus says, no, no, and no. So can I encourage you, when you get asked to do something, to serve in a different area, or if there's a, an opportunity to serve, bring that before the Lord and say, hey, God, is this an area that you want me to, to serve in? And it might be, yes. There's something that, yep, God wants you to do, and I'm passionate about it, I'm excited about it. Yes, step into it and do it for the glory of God. It might be something that it's wise to say no to in order to be able to say yes to those other things, those other areas that the Lord wants you to serve in. And that's between you and God, what that may look like. Yes. details of that picture um, but yeah it sounds like that potentially is an area at this stage which is detrimental and causing pain to you um, so again without knowing all the details but yeah if the Lord yeah I'd encourage you to bring that before God and again talk to the people you love and trust and who care for you um, who, who love the Lord um, but yeah in order to be able to serve them um, it might be uh, yeah praying for them from a distance, rather than putting yourself directly at, in harm's way. So, but yeah, let's keep chatting afterwards, because, or, yeah, because there might be some specific things there um, in regard to the details of the situation. But yeah, I, I think just because there is an, uh, an opportunity at times, it's not always wise to step into that. So, but yeah, I'd encourage you to keep praying for them at least. So, um, good question. Um, so yeah, that inability to say no or to remove ourselves at times can hinder us in our service for others. So yeah, good point. And I'm sure each of you have different things that you can think of um, where it's saying no is probably a helpful thing at that point in time. Not that you're always going to say no, potentially in the future you may step into that area and, and serve them in a certain way. Okay, so two areas that might hinder us being burnt or hurt in the past and that inability to say no. And now I want to look at a couple of areas um, 
that help enable us to serve as we wrap this up. The first one I'd say is a secure identity in Christ. An understanding and an awareness of what Christ has done for us, what Christ has done for me, and who I am, who we are as a child of God, as a forgiven child of God, that is a fantastic foundation upon which to serve. You know, a secure identity in Christ. We serve people not to gain brownie points before God, not in order to be seen, yep, like James and John, yep, I'm someone of prominence, here I am, respect me. But we serve people, ultimately, in order to serve the Lord. We serve people because we have been forgiven, because I'm so thankful and grateful that God has forgiven me that I want to love on others, I want to care for others. We desire to serve because we love God because we've had our lives changed and transformed by the love of God. We serve others for the glory of God, not in order to look good ourselves. And that's pretty hard to do when our eyes are on our side, when our eyes are on ourselves. When it's fully all about me, how I look in front of others, uh, that's a tough place to be even noticing others' needs. I love Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for humans. So the same way, in serving others, um, serve with all your heart as of serving the Lord. So again, let me ask you, how secure is your identity in Christ? Is it a foundation upon which you serve? Or is your identity in Christ crumbling and unstable? and hindering you in serving others. Um, there's some great resources and things all around identity in Christ. If you want to know more, um, ask afterwards, and I can helpfully, I can point you in some areas or chat with Lucy or some of the elders. Um, maybe this morning God's challenging you to understand afresh how much he loves you unconditionally, that he has forgiven you, that that is the foundation upon which you can serve others you know that your sins have been forgiven, my sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. You know, God just didn't die for, you know, my sins in the past. You know, He knows the different areas today that are going to be tough areas for me. In the future, past, present, and future, God has died, has ultimately paid the penalty for our sins. One death on the cross, past, present, and future. And that is that key foundation of secure identity in Christ upon which we can serve. And without it, it's going to be tough serving others. So, a secure identity in Christ. And the very final thing, um, as we wrap up, I'd say something that motivates me personally is vision and passion for God's big plan. Vision and passion for God's big plan. The awesome thing is, you know, that God is on a mission. God is... Uh, God is on about transforming people's lives, not just right here in the south of Hamilton, not just in this little community here, but right throughout Hamilton, right throughout the Waikato, right throughout New Zealand, right throughout the world, that people from all different nations, tribes, and tongues would one day worship him, would come before him and praise him. Individually, you are a small little part of that big plan. God's drawn you to himself, and God's in the process of transforming your life and enabling you to love and serve others. Here's a final question. 
why do you think that Jesus says for us to serve? As I bring up the second point of, you know, vision and passion for God's big plan, why do you think in this passage in Mark 10, does he say to James and John and to us, serve, how powerful it is to serve, how Jesus ultimately models the service and lays down his life? Why do you think Jesus says to us to serve? The reality is when people serve, it communicates God's love to others. God orchestrates divine encounters all around to communicate his love to others. Maybe that's why you're here this morning, that God has divinely orchestrated, you know, for you to be encouraged by that person that you have a cup of tea or coffee with later on. Um, maybe that kid in the playground at the school that you teach, you know, God wants you to come along and give them that little hug of encouragement or whatever may be appropriate in that context. Um, it might be someone in your workplace that God, you know, that little divine encounter, um, that solo parent who works with you or works in your business or, you know, that God has orchestrated that he wants you to come alongside and speak words of life to that solo parent or to go and fold the washing. I, I don't know, whatever it may be. Um, it might be in your family. Um, someone in your wider family who's really struggling with stuff or going through hard things or it might be your spouse or it might be your child that is going through hard things. And God in his ultimate wisdom knew in the year 2020, you know, whatever, that this person was going to be broken and crying and needing to either you understand and come to know the Lord or if they do already, to be encouraged and built up. So it is a powerful thing when people serve. Verse 45 as we close. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What a powerful thing that Jesus reached out to us, that Jesus served, that Jesus ultimately gave his life as a ransom for many. He served by laying down his life, paying our debt, that ultimate act of service. We didn't deserve it, but how powerful is that and what an incredible act of service is that. Let me pray. Yeah, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for uh, that incredible act of service that you uh, were willing uh, to die on the cross in our place to pay the penalty for our sins. And God, we are forever grateful for that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that we see in James and John's life how you mold, were molding and shaping these guys in the same way in our lives, Lord. You're molding and shaping us um, slowly transforming us. Uh, and Father, I pray for us as we endeavor to, to serve others, Lord. Um, heal those areas in our lives which hinder us or hold us back from serving others. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would enable us uh, to get into others' lives, to serve people from that secure foundation of knowing who you are, knowing our identity in Christ. Uh, and that ultimately, Lord, yeah, that there would be men and women from every tribe and nation and tongue uh, from every street right here in the south of Hamilton, uh, in the Waikato, that people would come to know you, uh, 
those divine encounters, Lord. I pray this week, Father, specifically, that we'd have eyes to see that there would be one little instance of a person that you bring across our path that we can, in some way, um, encourage them or minister or uh, serve them, pour out your love uh, to them. Please, Father, give us a practical, very real uh, person to serve this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.